think the leadership program has taught me, giving me the confidence that I have, that I am capable of having those high level conversations, making sure that I can promote myself, but not overdo it to a degree where it's dampened my abilities in the future. You're listening to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast, the only leadership podcast run by undergraduate students dedicated to helping undergraduate students lead in diverse fields. From people in diplomacy to entertainment, from CEOs to student leaders, we feature people from all walks of life. It's all part of the mission. Here at the Vecina Leadership Institute, we make leaders better. What's up, everybody? My name is Sid Kapoor, and welcome to the Undergraduate Leadership Podcast, where we bring impactful journeys to aspiring students. Today, we have Sophia Denman on board. She is the Strategic Communications Director of the Buccino Leadership Program. On top of this, after interning with the Secretary of State, Sophia is working at the office of the U.S. Senator, Cory Booker, the first African-American senator from New Jersey. On top of that, she's a policy coordinator at Period SHU. So how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? And thank you again for having me on the show. Sure, sure. No, it's a pleasure. So, you know, we were talking before this and we're talking about political sciences and just in general, what brought you to that point? So actually, to be honest, I didn't come to major in political science. I Mm -hmm. came here because I thought I wanted to be a physician assistant because I always just grew up. I was like, oh, I want to help people. And for some reason, it just maybe it's just thrown on me by parents, just my community and stuff that like in order to help people, you have to go into the medical field. So I came here my freshman year, I started going through it, and I realized that the classes I really looked forward to were my humanity classes and the ones that made me think critically instead of studying the science. So then COVID happened and the world got shut down and just seeing everything go on with politics, just what was going on in the national news, it really made me more aware of what I could do and that I could help people in the policy aspect instead of kind of going from the medical field, which I wasn't really interested in anymore. A big thing that I've been talking to my friends about is finding a job, finding an internship for political science. It's a very intricate, tough thing to get into. So I know you worked at the Secretary of State as an internship, and currently you're an intern at Senator Cory Booker, right? Which is pretty cool. So how'd you get there? So I was an intern with the Secretary of the Senate last summer. And that actually stemmed from my junior year leadership project. So in arts and sciences, we have to interview people in our perspective field. So it was really hard to reach out to people because also political science, it really requires you to network. And so at first I struggled, but I reached out to some professors who connect me with alumni. But then my last individual dropped out. They could no longer do an interview. So I was kind of panicking. I was like, what can I do? And then I was talking to my mom about it, and she's like, why don't you interview your aunt? My aunt had studied political science in college, and she works in the Senate Hart Building as the director of the documents department and stuff. So I interviewed her about what goes on behind the scenes. And then a couple weeks later, she was like, hey, there's an internship going on with the secretary of the Senate if you want to apply. So I applied. I got there. I got my placement. And then I got to meet a bunch of other people. But it is really hard. And one thing I think that at first I was scared because I was like, am I really capable of doing this? Am I prepared to do it? But then also for the Senator Cory Booker one, I was like, you know, I'm just going to just apply it. And luckily I did get it. But I think having confidence in yourself and being able to not be afraid to network and message people because that's what you really need to do in this field. So I went through Dean Kaiser's connections and messaged some of them, but really talking to my professors and I 
utilize Professor Hoffman because I knew that he helps put on the Great Minds program. So he connected me with some great Scene Hall alumni, some who are in New Jersey government, some who are authors about like political science and stuff. So I got a vast array of people and also just the Scene Hall community showed me that people are still really involved, which was really nice. Right, right. And in terms of networking, my friends tell me, and I've, I've been in a situation before where I know my professor talking to them after class will benefit me a lot, but there's that initial fear of not knowing how to start the conversation. That is always a big fear. It's always hard to introduce yourself, but I kind of feel like the best way is just fake it until you make it. Go up, have confidence. And with the professor too, they want to be connected to their students. That's one thing that I've really found that I love about Scene Hall is the small class sizes. They allow you to actually get to know your professors. So even though I'm no longer a bio major, I've run into professors who I had for only a couple weeks because COVID cut it short and they still ask how I'm doing. If you're afraid to talk to your professors, they actually really do care about you. So I would just say, go up, talk to them. And then for people who might be outside of academia, people understand that you're a young professional, you're trying to make those connections. So a lot of the times they are really willing to help you. So yeah, I mean, in terms of that, like managed to get down solid internships, how have they been it was really interesting. So when I applied to the Secretary of the Senate's program, I wasn't sure what to expect. And then they assigned me and I got assigned to the gift shop, which was kind of, it took me back a step. I was like, huh, like not what I was expecting, but it actually ended up being a great experience because even though I wasn't quite doing stuff on like the policy side, I still had to interact with people and have a sense of poise and confidence when talking to lobbyists who came in, guests, constituents, and even the occasional senator themselves and helping them navigate. Like we need to have a gift for a speaker or they need to get a special engraving for a diplomat or somebody. So it was having that confidence to kind of be there and interact with people and know that like, even though it might not seem like the most important job at times, you are still critical to helping other people move forward with their duties. So that was actually a great experience. And one of my favorite parts was the Senate lecture series. So I got to hear from Nancy Pelosi, Cory Booker, Amy Klobuchar, and they got to share their expertise. And at those times, I got to interact with interns from all across Capitol Hill. So I met people who were in congressional offices, who were in committee offices, and it allowed me to network so that was a great experience. And it was also a great practice because as we talked about before, networking can kind of be hard, but seeing that other people are going through that process too was really beneficial. What skills have you learned in those? As I said before, just being confident in your abilities and being able to effectively communicate with people is a huge aspect because you want to be able to help them get to their end goal. Also be confident enough to input your availability and your knowledge and resources so I think that is one really big aspect. And another is just exposure, too, I think is huge, being able to just see what's going on. So in the current internship that I'm at with Cory Booker, just seeing what goes behind the scenes, like casework with constituents, seeing how a lot of the stuff they do are with like just helping people navigate federal agencies and stuff. I've learned a lot already and just always being open to learning more and seeing what you can do to help as an intern and just being able to observe and knowing when to take the initiative to ask for projects on your own too is a huge aspect. So in terms of applying for these pretty solid internships, what have you had to do and to really make your resume bulletproof? I think just showing your involvement and commitment 
on things. So I feel like sometimes there's a misconception that you want to just join as many things as possible. And I would say that I kind of fell victim to that at first too. I struggled to say no to a lot of things, but then I realized if I really want to have an impact, I need to be able to devote enough time and energy to them. So being involved with period and taking on that policy coordinator role was really important to learning more about my community, but also being able to apply some of the skills that I learned in political science classes. So that was one thing that I, on my interview with Senator Cory Booker's office, we talked about because I'd mentioned in my cover letter that experience and how my sophomore year, I organized an online call with a New Jersey assemblyman and how that allowed me to kind of learn more about the process, get exposure to the legislative process and policymaking. So that was one thing that helped me. And the reason that it was on my resume and it's something that I participate in is because I have a desire to go into that field and learn more about it. So I would say when building that resume, I'd recommend to not just do things for the sake of having it on a resume, but making sure that you do it because it's something you're passionate about and it's something that you can devote time and energy and something that you will want to learn about in the future and will bring life lessons that you can carry on to the next steps of your journey. I heard a quote from one of my professors that a passion is something that you are willing to do for free. So let's say it's guitar, right? Again, especially with rap coming on, right? It's not the most lucrative field unless you top manage to get to the top 1%. What do you think about that statement? I would agree it is risky, but because I feel like there is a idea that people go to college to get a job to enter the workforce. But like I learned I in my journey of switching from being a physician assistant to going into political science, I think following passion and something you're really eager to learn about and work in is critical because yes, you might make a lot of money one day and that can allow you to pursue passions on the side. But I feel like it's important to do work that you feel is fulfilling even if it might not be the most lucrative aspect. So, and there it definitely is for political science. It's kind of well known that you're not going to be making the most amount of money. And I think that passion and having a commitment and really believing in what you're working in is more valuable. So I think I would really agree with your professor's statement. Again, speaking off of passions, right? One of the initiatives you're working on is period SHU. Right now, as a topic that, again, has a lot of stigma around of it, how did you approach this? Period Shoe is actually a branch of the National Period Nonprofit. So they have their three principles. So we want to educate people, we want to promote advocacy, and we want to promote free products to individuals who might be in need. And one of those things is erasing the stigma around it. So I actually got involved in it because I'd seen a documentary that was on Netflix that won an Oscar a couple years ago about how stigmatized it was in India and how girls were missing school and dropping out in general, not being able to go to jobs, etc. because of the stigma surrounding it. So one thing that we want to do on campus is to help erase that stigma by having educational programs too. And also at Scene Hall, we previously never had menstrual product dispensers throughout school. So that's one thing that we worked on a lot last semester and we're still working on. And I think having that exposure is really beneficial because We put them in place, some in the library, some in the UC Center, and then we had QR code that took people to a survey, and we got to receive personal testimonies from people, and it really showed how there still is a stigma 
we got one where this girl suffered from PCOS, which caused her to have really painful menstrual cycles. And that led to a lot of embarrassment. But talking about it and being able to get the necessary products that she needs, she demonstrated how just being exposed to it and having the dialogue go on helped erase the stigma and helped erase some of that pressure that she felt as someone who suffers from that disease. You know, the topic about a menstrual cycle, it you could categorize it in the same way, especially in the way we talk about things, as something taboo, right? So For sure. getting something out of that bubble, in my opinion, takes time. And the best thing you could do is um, keep that pressure on of saying that, of promoting the subject. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. That's definitely one of our main components and one of our goals is to just kind of increase education around it. Because one thing that we talked about in some of our open forum and discussions with members is how there isn't a lot of education about it, especially in some states, their sex ed and family life education programs don't really delve into this topic. So before college and before joining the club, they didn't know a whole lot about it. So increasing exposure and making sure that it's in the dialogue is something that's critical to kind of tackling that issue. There's so many different issues to tackle with menstrual equality. Two of the main ideas and bills that people have wanted to pass in period and other organizations throughout New Jersey are first is just getting products in schools. So there was a bill, the one that I talked about earlier, being with an assemblyman, that would get free products across the state of New Jersey into school districts that fell below the poverty rate times 1.5%. So those girls there, because there are statistics that show that people who are not do not have access to those products miss school, they miss opportunities, and that can kind of set women backwards or just anybody who does menstruate in general. So that is one goal on the policy aspect. And another one is also in prisons too, because a lot of the times these women don't have access to products or they have to use, depending on the prison system, like their like vouchers or like coin systems to kind of pay for them themselves, which is extremely difficult. So those are two big aspects that on a state or federal level could be solved. But in terms of scene hall, our own initiative was just making sure that they're accessible to students because there sometimes is a barrier to access, especially with shortages with supply chain management. Prices have increased. And for students, we don't want them to be missing classes or vital college experiences because they have to run off campus to go get this necessary product. How would you think the progress has been over the past four years? Administration has been very receptive, especially with the newly formed DEI initiatives on campus. So we were actually able to partner with them and SGA to get some of the funding for these menstrual product um, dispensers. And we're working with them again this year. SGA actually now has a new executive agency called, I believe it's the Gender and Equity Agency. So we're also partnering with them or we're planning to try to get more dispensers across campus so we can really mitigate the struggle of students to access those products and so they don't miss those vital college experiences. And and this entire initiative, what has your role been? So my role with the president, I've helped work with the administrators of the college. So we've communicated with them. We've held meetings. Last year, we worked a lot with SGA president, um, Julia Nichols. So the three of us were responsible to figuring out a game plan, looking into different dispensers, figuring out which ones 
were not just only feasible from the university standpoint, but also one thing that we wanted to do, and we partnered with EPAC, which is a club dedicated to sustainability, is to finding products that were a little more sustainable. So that was a lot of my and the president's responsibilities in this aspect, outreach and just researching and also connecting with students, hearing their stories and how this might benefit them. Everyone has their strengths. Everyone has their weaknesses, right? What would you say your strengths have been? And then I'll move on to weaknesses after. I think one of my strengths is I'm a team player. One of the things that I think was very helpful was being able to reach out to periods president Shamoli and to Julia and making sure that I could do things to help them in their goals with the initiative, but also be able to follow through with what I said I was going to do. So it really was a team effort. And I think my ability to collaborate with others helped the three of us students make sure we met this goal, but also it allowed us to work with scene hall administration in getting this to go through. I've done a couple leadership stuff here and there, like projects and setting up meetings is a very understated thing, right? People think it's, oh, you just set up a Zoom meeting, you set up a time to meet, it's easy. No, you got, it's all about the operation side. So how would you describe that process? So the process, I would agree, that's always difficult, especially with people who are high up in administration. So they're extremely busy. And then as students, we're also busy. But then from there, once we'd establish the meeting, so the president and also SJA president, Julia, we'd sit together and be like, okay, what are our goals for the meeting? What do we want to talk about? And what do we want to push? So being prepared coming into those meetings was really critical too. So in terms of preparation, you probably just have like a game plan of exactly what needed to be discussed in the meeting. Yeah, pretty much. And then one of the things that I worked on with Shamoli was strategic plan for what do we want to see done this year? What do we want to see done down the line? So having that in the background and having our goals thought out beforehand was also really crucial. And in terms of weaknesses, if you're cool with talking about it, what have you seen, you know, you could improve on? One thing is kind of time management. As a student, sometimes it'd be difficult to set time aside to work on this initiative, to do my classwork, to help out with the Leadership Institute. So I think I did a good job of managing it over the years and getting better about doing that. But I would say being able to fully commit myself sometimes could be difficult. So that's something that I had to learn. I had to learn, okay, I might need to step back from other responsibilities and really decide what is worthwhile and what I think are my main priorities at the moment. So that was one thing I had to learn. And then I think another was honestly the technology aspect. Sometimes it could be difficult to set up those Zoom meetings correctly, send those emails or make the types of polls and graphics because I was pretty new to making some of the like survey monkeys, doing some of those types of statistical things. So that was a learning curve too. Personally, I'll just go into it real quick. Same issue, right? Time management. I couldn't at the start of these projects get people to get on the same meetings at the same time, right? Especially as a student, you know, it's not your job. This is outside of what you need to work on. In terms of that, so the Leadership Institute, you're part of it. How have these four years in this institute helped you get to the point of being a president? I would say one thing that the Leadership Institute has done for me is it has really helped me build confidence in myself and my abilities. Entering the program when I came for Pirate Adventure, for some reason they didn't have me as part of the Leadership Institute. And so I had to like go to my advisor and be like, I have the email right here from like Dean Kaiser and everything. And they're like, oh, that's a mistake on our end. But then 
I had that feeling freshman year of like, what if I actually didn't mean to get in here? Even though I had the acceptance and everything, I was just afraid. I was like, maybe I'm not up to par with my fellow students. But going through the freshman sophomore year, taking those DISC assessments, going through the IDTs and joining initiatives, they really helped me build confidence in myself and allowed me to see that I am a leader and that I can produce effective content and I can make things that I am proud of and that I can contribute to a team. So it really helped me recognize my abilities and recognize that I can contribute in a positive manner onto my teams and into the things that I do. You know, I've, I have a pretty solid interest in the, the initiative that you're doing. So in terms of expansion, are you thinking about that going outside of college and maybe talking to the Board of Education to get the stuff implemented across? I don't know. It's something I have to look into because there already are a lot of activists and organizations going on. It's something that I really want to continue being a part of after I graduate because I don't want this to just be a focus or something I had for four years and move on to the next thing. I think there's always going to be more work that needs to be done. And when I graduate and return home, I'd love to see some of this work implemented in my own community because I'm from Virginia and I think that there could be a lot more done in our education program to help educate school children about this and then also just to bring it to the community and help bring products and just awareness about menstrual inequities in general to some of the areas surrounding me because I think especially in some of the more rural counties and stuff nearby there is a little bit less dialogue going on about this and there is a demonstrated need for these types of programs and stuff going forward. Do you have any other ambitions? Like, where do you see yourself? So I'm a December grad, and so graduation's coming up soon. So it's definitely been on my mind recently. I think I'd like to try and stay within, like, the policy aspect. And my internship over the summer made me realize that I do like the Capitol Hill area, just being in that environment. And I'm also from the DMV area. So ideally, I'd like to try and get a job as a staffer in a congressional office or something. I know those are extremely hard to come by, but like having big goals is important because if you don't shoot big, then you're just going to fall short. So that ideally is something that I think I'd want to do to help kind of start my career going into policy and such. However, I did take a constitutional law class last semester, and it really did open my eyes up into law. It's something that I never considered, which almost all of my other political science peers have considered. So many of them want to be lawyers, but it made me realize that there's a lot of overlap between the law and public policy that goes on. So that might be something in the future, but I'm not entirely sure. I've still got a lot of ideas rolling around of what I want to do. Right. So, I mean, the biggest differentiator is in terms of public policy. It's it's a cutthroat business. Mm -hmm. So always being a lawyer, but cutthroat in a different way, meaning like you've got to deal with people. That don't necessarily like the way you're going, right? Even if they're on the same political side as you, right? But at the same time, you know, you can make tremendous change, especially with the things that you've been doing. I think you could definitely pull it off. Yeah, the cutthroat energy that I I did observe um, over the summer. And you have to be able to take initiative and kind of put yourself out there, but not overdo it. You'd see fellow interns or some people, they'd jump at every opportunity to try to like shove their way into conversations with important figures. And at some point you have to take a step back and be like, I'm an intern. I'm not like the one who they need to be talking to, but you really do see how competitive it is when people try to 
force their way in. But at the same time, you have to be able to make your way into, into those conversations and try to get exposure for yourself out there to move forward. So it is a cutthroat business. And it's something that I think the leadership program has taught me, giving me the confidence that I have, that I am capable of having those high level conversations, making sure that I can promote myself, but not overdo it to a degree where it's dampened my abilities in the future. It's good to have a good big ego, like Steve Jobs, right? They've got it. But it's not good to be arrogant. So have you seen situations where, you know, these two, the, the barriers kind of crossed and other entrants? Yeah, for sure. That's one kind of stereotype with the political science majors. Right. That there's always some big personalities in the room. So right. it's something that you see and you have to take note of. Mm-hmm. But I would say for myself, I'm sometimes more shy in classes and stuff. And I've learned to be able to speak up and be confident in my answers. But I definitely, I think, more reserved compared to some people who might have that kind of persona and want to. So I think being able to find balance, because if you have to recognize where you are and if you need to tone things down or if you need to make sure you put yourself out there is something that is great to work on in college before you enter the professional field. Yeah, I guess that's life. That's the journey of life. So again, I really appreciate having this conversation with you. It's been very enlightening. I'm sure other poli-sci students will definitely find this helpful. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been great talking to you. And also as a freshman, I want to say best of luck with your time at Mucino. It's been a great experience for me and I've seen it help develop my leadership skills so much for the past four years. Perfect. Thank you. On behalf of everyone at the Pasita Leadership Institute, I'd like to thank the podcast team, 89.5 FM WSOU for allowing us to use their facilities and you for listening. Follow us online at www.shu.edu backslash leadership, on Instagram at Bacino Leaders, and on Twitter at SHU Leadership. At Seton Hall, we make leaders better.